Welcome, it's indisputable. I'm your host, Rashad Richie. Good to be with you. We have a lot on the agenda today, breaking down news of the day. None other than Ben Glebe, comedian extraordinaire, and also Rebel HQ contributor superstar. Always fascinating to have his breakdown. All right, top story of the day. Donald Trump promises 100% conclusive evidence of the election being rigged three years ago. Let's put his mug shot up full mass. It's a beautiful thing to say. Trump promises massive information and 100% evidence on rigged election from three years ago. All right, here's the tweet or the, excuse me, truth social. Does anyone notice that the election rigging Biden administration never goes after the riggers? But only after those that want to catch and expose the rigging dogs. Massive information and 100% evidence will be made available during the corrupt trials started by our political opponent. We will never let 2020 happen again. Look at the result. Our country is being destroyed. MAGA. <laughs> That's how the former president of the United States talks. Let's put his mug shot back up again. Uh, why am I putting this mug shot up? Because I feel like Donald Trump is a criminal. He was a criminal prior to being president. It's part of the reason. He was able to become president. He is a con man. Politics has de-evolved to such a degree that con men became normative, thus giving rise to the greatest con man of them all, Donald Trump. Like any good conspiracy theorist, according to Colby Hall of Mediaite, former President Donald Trump knows that the question or allegation of something is more important than the proof. Why is Bigfoot still a thing? Because no one has yet proven that the weird man-ape creature does not exist. The same can be said of allegations that the 2020 election was stolen, as Trump and his minions continue to prattle on about. On the very day that House Speaker wannabe Representative Jim Jordan refused to admit that the 2020 election was not stolen, Trump took to social media and promised that massive information and 100% evidence will be made available during the corrupt trials started by our political opponent. Uh, oh, will it now? Trump has forever claimed he lost. Uh, Trump has forever claimed he lost his re-election bid, not because he's a loser, but because some other nefarious forces came into play. Okay, uh, and Trump's insistence that he is the victim flies in the face of even his most senior administration officials, who basically said, you know, that's BS. So. Remember, former Attorney General Bill Barr called his claims bullish. On Thursday, one of the chief architects of the stolen election conspiracy, Sidney Powell, pleaded guilty to a Fulton County case alleging election fraud. Sidney Powell will also be testifying. The number of supporters are vocally in line behind Trump's BS claims. It's getting smaller and crazier. But here's the thing, Sidney Powell 
Trump's former attorney, <clears throat> one of the most hardcore conspiracy theorists. Well, that person is now turning state. That's what we call it, snitching, willing to testify against Donald Trump or other cronies involved in this masquerade. They engaged in significant misconduct, significant federal and local violations. And basically, Sidney Powell has admitted as such. Sidney Powell is also an unindicted co-conspirator in a federal case. The reason why Sidney Powell is unindicted is probably because Sidney Powell is a cooperating witness there as well, or will be very soon. It is interesting to note that facts do not matter to those who support Trump. Trump is aware of this. Jim Jordan is aware of this. And every feckless leader in the conservative movement is aware that they have created such a distance between truth and people that it has allowed for Donald Trump to rule their political class. All right, Ben, thoughts here. I don't have thoughts that don't anger me and don't come out in a way that makes me seem unhinged, probably a little bit, Doc, because anybody who can still follow this man, believe in this man, it's beyond stupidity now. It's willful ignorance, and it is, it has been nefarious in purpose for a very long time. He tweeted or posted, I don't even want to ever say quote unquote truth social, because he literally called a thing truth so he could say lies and it would be called truths on the air. Yep. He posted on his defunct, fake ass platform, there would be 100% proof and evidence a few months ago already, and he was about to release it. They only got the press conference. Then it didn't come out with it. Then I'm told I shouldn't release it. You don't have the evidence, bro. The only evidence you have is that you're as fake as your tan. You're as fake <laughs> as your hairdo. You're as fake as the clothes you make in China, but claim you're about America first. He's the fakest person in the world, which would be a horrible enough quality if he weren't a traitor to the government of the United States of America and praise to all that is possible that he ends up in jail. So if you yeah. still follow him, you're beyond reproach, you're beyond reach, you're too far gone. And I hope you find a rocking chair somewhere and just go back and forth and say all work and no play makes Jack a dull boy. That's there you all go. you got left. Yeah, um, developments to come. All right, so. An adult, let's put her up full mass, decided to throw a party for children to engage in inappropriate conduct and have them engage in inappropriate conduct as well. It is insane. Shannon O'Connor, a 48-year-old party mom in California, is accused of throwing secret alcohol-fueled parties for underage teens in her mansion and encouraging the juveniles to engage in sex acts, some of which were allegedly not even consensual. In her mansion, according to the allegation, this was done for her own gratification. Also allegedly performed multiple acts online, searches for terms related to the sexualization 
of minors. You're looking at a monster. This is true, you're looking at a pure monster. O'Connor allegedly used social media platforms to communicate with students at Los Gatos High School, where two of her sons were enrolled. She would often use Snapchat or text messages, telling teens to leave their homes late at night, come to her house where they could drink alcohol that she purchased for them. Prosecutors say O'Connor hosted the parties for kids, mostly 14 to 15, where she would advocate for juveniles to engage in consensual and non-consensual sex acts, buying vodka and fireball whiskey. O'Connor allegedly provided the kids with condoms and coached them not to tell their parents about the parties. She also allegedly discouraged <coughs> the children from calling for help when one of the party goers would pass out or vomit from drinking too much, authorities said. At one party, O'Connor handed a teenager a condom and pushed him into a room with another drunk teen, officials said. During a New Year's Eve party with about five 14-year-old children, she allegedly watched and laughed as a drunk teen battered a young girl in bed. At one party, O'Connor, excuse me, in another case, she allegedly brought a drunk teen into a bedroom in her home where an intoxicated 14-year-old was lying in the bed. Afterwards, girl asked O'Connor, quote, why did you leave me in there with him? Question mark. Like, why did you like do that? Question mark. Like you knew like what he was going to do to me. Put a picture up again. That's a monster. There's more. Prosecutors say she also let a minor drive her SUV in a parking lot while two other kids were hanging onto the back of the vehicle, obviously not concerned about their safety. One of the two teens hanging onto the back allegedly fell off and was knocked unconscious. At the time, O'Connor convinced police that everything was fine. And she was taking the kids home, but the boy was knocked unconscious, suffered a severe concussion, and was up all night vomiting and experiencing headaches. Prosecutors say, put up a picture again. I wonder what was it about her that allowed the police to ignore an unconscious teenager and believe her? I wonder. The charges, O'Connor, whose 15-year-old son is one of the victims in the case, is currently facing 39 criminal charges, including felony child abuse, sexual assault, sexual battery, annoying or molesting a child, and providing alcohol to minors. O'Connor has pleaded not guilty to all charges against her and is scheduled to appear in court for a hearing on November 6th. Earlier this year, O'Connor was hospitalized after five female inmates at the Santa Clara County Jail allegedly beat her in a vicious and unprovoked attack. Okay, so where do you start? Well, let's start with the fact that at one point there's adverse police interaction. A police officer has the opportunity to stop a whole lot of this from happening in the future 
if the cop looks at the evidence, I guarantee you, if let's say O'Connor was of a different hue, that evidence would have been looked at significantly. How many times have we seen police officers engage in extreme action against a black mother for nothing, for what turned out to be nothing? This was a something. And somehow she was able to talk herself out of any criminal punishment or penalty. And then the severity of it, the extreme nature of this, having them come to her home, her mansion, involving her own children, engaging not only in this extreme criminal behavior, but setting up individuals under her authority to be violated as if she's their friend. You can trust her. And then she lures you in and sets you up. This is a monster, in my humble opinion. I do these stories to remind everyone that monsters come in all shapes and sizes and will typically engage in behavior in order to be trusted by those they victimize. Ben, thoughts? Doc, uh, she was beaten in jail, it said in an unprovoked attack. I wouldn't call it unprovoked. She provoked it by being somebody who decided to ruin the lives and innocence of so many children that were trusted to her care, including her own children. I mean, monster is putting it lightly. It's yep. She is a depraved, disgusting devil of a human being. And you're also right. You know, the cops came there. What do they see? Oh, just an uncon- a child that was knocked unconscious from falling outside of a car. You don't get knocked unconscious when you're inside of the vehicle. It happens when you're hanging off the back of the car. It's the most endangering behavior possible. You couldn't find something worse. I guess maybe it's not as bad as finding a little bit of weed in someone's car who is not endangering the lives of any unconscious minors, but it's close. Yeah. Um, obviously, this is going uh, forward in the criminal justice system. She has pleaded not guilty. We will follow this until its completion. A man who decided to be bigoted, who decided to, um, well, do this. Here it is. Tuesday, the front in Cherry Hill, the daughter got smashed. Is that what you want? No. And you want to know where I was when all this happened? I don't care. At work, monkey. I don't care where you were. At work. Just like I told the Mount Laurel police, get these monkeys out of here and you can't do it. That's me talking to you. 3602, Gramercy Way, that's where I live. Come and see me. Hey, guys, how you doing? Hey, White, why are you back over here? Somebody called me. Someone called you. It's private property. You have no jurisdiction here whatsoever. I do. Somebody calls me. Hold on. You know what? Hold on. No, no, no. I'm going to let you do your thing. Go talk to these. Go ahead. You go talk to them. Let them know what I'm all about and what their rights they have. All right. You want to go back to your house? I'll come back to you. No, I'll stand right here. It's common property. Okay. Have a nice night. I'm going to let you guys get an education right now. All right. Thanks, man. Appreciate it. I'll do my job. No problem. I'm not going away until your husband stops. Finding me and threatening me while I'm at work. Peggy, cut it out, man. Oh, Let wait. Me talk to them. Arrest me. I'm not oh, you can't. Right now. Relax. You. Just cut it out, dude. Well, That's what you see, Brandon. 3602 Gramercy, we come and come. You have an update. 
He has pleaded guilty to hate crimes, is his mugshot. Um, we're about to teach him a lesson today, give him an education properly today. You're looking at a New Jersey man who went viral. He went viral for his bigoted antics against a black neighbor. He has now pleaded guilty to a hate crime. I will explain. Edward Matthew pleaded guilty to four counts of bias intimidation and possession of a controlled dangerous substance with the intent to distribute. Isn't that something? There's more. Matthews reportedly entered his plea on October 17th. Video of the confrontation showed Matthews repeatedly taunting his black neighbor on his own doorstep with racial slurs as well as spitting on him. Now, before I continue, the interaction, and I said this when we first covered the story. I mean, the officer, I mean, this has to be the nicest officer known to man. I mean, this is officer friendly 2.0. Hey, guy, I'm not going to arrest you. No, that's not why I'm here. That has never been said to a black person who's being aggressive. You have a white male, this man is out of control. This man is non-compliant. This individual is absolutely primed to be arrested. But he literally gets the okay, hey, you're not going to, I'm not going to arrest you. How can you make that conclusion, officer? You don't know what this man has done because you have not assessed the scene yet. And you don't know what he's going to do. But you can conclude there is no arrest that's going to happen. And as soon as the officer says this, the man became emboldened. He was more empowered, more vicious, more racist. He has now pled guilty. According to CBS News, one neighbor said that Matthews had previously used a BB gun to shoot out his neighbor's window. He also smeared dog feces all over their car. The protesters reportedly threw garbage at him while he was being arrested. Matthews later told the Philadelphia Inquirer that he was drunk during the rant. Superior Court Judge Gerard H. Breland scheduled Matthews sentencing hearing for December 8th. Um, he is facing up to eight years in jail. Eight years in jail because the man could not control his own racism. It was easy. For him to stay out of trouble. It really was. But he decided to push, push, and push. And now, well, he's facing up to eight years. We will give you the update in December. Ben, hell of a story. Yeah. I mean, other than him being a virally racist person who shoots people's windows and rubs dog feces on their property, seems like a nice guy. Seems like a right. really other than those things. Upstanding citizen. I mean, this guy is so disgusting and also very confused because in the video leading up to the officer arriving, he keeps telling his neighbor that he will not leave his front porch because it's common property and it's not his private property. And then the cop arrives and he says, This is private property. You can't be here. You have no jurisdiction here. And yeah, that cop, that was the most Mayberry situation I've ever seen. He tells him, go back home. I'll come visit you later. Right. We'll have a, we'll have a lemonade 
and laugh about how I interrogated the black kids first. I mean, that is the most wild thing. And those bleeps, you know, covered the words completely. But to be very clear, that man was hurling the N-word repeatedly and hurled it more confidently after the cop arrived. He was not even trying to cover up his hate crime. Spits on his neighbor. And you just have to hand it to the restraint of that young man that did not swing at that guy and knock him out. I would have knocked that guy out in two seconds. And I would be probably facing a charge too, or maybe it's self-defense at that point. But incredible example of how to be restraintful is to be able to be in the face of such virulent hate yeah. and not and not take that into your own hands. Yeah, I mean, we didn't even hear anything like, um, "Hey, I'm just I'm just detaining you to do an investigation." I mean, that's a common one. Not even that much. All right, we got more. On the other side, it's indisputable, stick and stay. All right, welcome back. Good to be with you. We have a few comments. All right, okay. Buying flavor corn pop. Trump lies without a Karen. <laughs> I like that. Without a Karen in the world, line taken from Mr. Glee. I love it. I love it. That's all right. From my special, The Mad King. Yes, yes. We need uh, a more chill planet without a Karen in the world. I love it. I may use that, but I will. I will source the uh, U.S. the uh, originator. Next, T. What's your reporter? Absolutely. If she has a mansion, she's probably wealthy and thinks she is above the law. Naturally, right? All right. There's no jurisdiction in her. In, in her, her area badges. for the police. That's right. There's private jurisdiction here. Yeah. Um, Neil Whittington. Thank you so much, Neil. Uh, Chester Bro played guilty today, today, two today, and they're off. Yep, that's right. Uh, the Jack, thank you. Uh, describe willful ignorance, Ben. Describe willful ignorance. Yep. Yeah. All right. And yeah, James Thompson. Thank you, James. I give the one indisputable. We appreciate you doing that for a new member. Thank you so much. Got something for you. Ladies and gentlemen, I wish you Karen Wood. You want to call the police on them for having a barbecue on a Sunday? You feel French. Back off. I'm going to tell them there's an African American man threatening my life. I'm scared for the drug dealers. I mean, the, the people who look like drug dealers with tinted windows. I'm scared. Oh. So you're racist is what you're saying. Yes, you are. You're profiling us. You don't know me. I live in the neighborhood. That's fine. And I will be calling the police. How about that? Do that. You're fine. Okay. Call the police. Call the police. Now, honey. That's fine. You can call the police. Now, sweetheart. Go ahead. We will. I'm scared for you because you almost tried to run me over. You are. You are. What are you talking? We're still at the stop sign. Right here. I did not move at all. I did not move at all. You were holding on to the ball. What are you talking about, babe? That's fine. We're trying to turn. There's no stop sign. We can't see around the corner. This bitch make no sense. Be careful of what, honey? Be careful. That's all I'm saying. Of what? Of what? People are dealing drugs. Be careful. Okay, and you're accusing me of doing that? No. Yes, you did. You said you look like a drug dealer. Your car's tinted. I live in this neighborhood. Don't. No. That's why. No. You be careful. No. That's not okay. That's fine. That's fine. Because I'm trying to turn. 
Okay, so don't do that. Don't do that. Listen, I can tell there's something going on. Honey, go home. Go home. Okay, that's fine, but go home. Do not do that. Don't do that. You're going to talk to the wrong person. No, you'll be careful. You'll be careful. You're talking to the wrong one. Oh, my God. Did that just happen to us? Did this happen to us? What the just happened? This is Vernon, Connecticut, y'all. Yep. In the midst of situations like that, you can find it quite hard to believe that you're in the middle of defending your existence. Now, I will say this, um, I don't know if the individual um, had something else going on or not, but I will remind people, when we say things that are extreme, when we talk in ways that are well bigoted, there are impressionable people listening to the rhetoric. Now, according to this narrative, according to uh, the person in the community, she correlate tenant windows with drug dealers. Now, where would she get that idea from? How does that become a connector? Okay, um, I do think uh, the, the person on the pastor side did a great job trying to explain, no, this is not a drug deal. We are not drug dealers. And that's racist, what you're saying, because it's profiling. All right, Ben, thoughts here. Listen, there might be something to what the Karen's saying, because the other day I got drugs from somebody who has tinted windows, and that person was myself. <laughs> so I, I got some edibles from, from the store, and uh, apparently I've been dealing to myself for a long time. This Karen was right. spot on. I mean, if she was really concerned about having almost been hit, just say, please be careful when you are crossing intersections. Don't need to also throw in because you look like a drug dealer to me because I am a bigoted old lady. Right. Yeah, that was interesting. All right. Um, be careful. I don't I don't want you to get an intent to distribute to yourself charge. You Thank know? you so much. Don't worry. I will uh, pass it to myself uh, very sneakily. All right. There you go. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> Okay, um, you know, I've been saying this for a long time. Prosecutors who engage in prosecutorial misconduct, they have to start being arrested, charged with crime because it's illegal. But guess what? Finally, it has happened. Put up the picture for a mask. This is a hell of a story. In Illinois, in Illinois, Nick Tretenko and Andrew Horvat are two ex prosecutors being charged for their alleged role in lying in the case of Jackie Wilson, who wrongfully ended up spending 30, uh, 36 uh, years in prison. They're now on trial. Wilson was exonerated in 2020. So Nick Tritenko faces charges including obstruction of justice and perjury. And his co-defendant, Andrew Horvat, was charged with official misconduct. Wilson endured decades behind bars for killing two Chicago cops, a crime he reportedly never did. But his now deceased brother actually did the crime and they knew it. We brought you this story a while ago. Wilson, ironically, his brother, 
Andrew were arrested in 1982 concerning the deaths of officers William Fahey and Robert O'Brien. They died from gunshot wounds. When Lieutenant John Burge and his team interrogated the duo, they were tortured and ultimately forced into making false confessions after getting brutally beaten, according to a post from the National Registry of Exoneration. They were allegedly punched and kicked and received electric shocks. At one point, Andrew was burned after being tied to a radiator. Wilson described the torch in detail. They beat me over the head with a dictionary, stuck a gun in my mouth. Then they did the electric shock. Wilson recalled his experience at the time per the outlet. That came after this guy played Russian roulette with a gun in my mouth, end quote. According to reports, Wilson's first conviction was tossed out on appeal. When he was retried in 1989, he was cleared of Fahey's death, but convicted of O'Brien. Wilson's defense team heavily argued that Burgess, that's the cop, the lieutenant, that team pressured him to confess, resulting in his conviction being overturned again in 2018, as reported by the Associated Press. Two years later, during Wilson's third trial, it was revealed that Tritenko, the prosecutor, had a close relationship with a significant witness in his second trial. He's the head prosecutor during the 1989 trial, admitted to being the godfather to one of the children of witness William Coleman, per Fox 32 Chicago. He is accused of not telling his colleagues about the connection, and special prosecutors decided to dismiss the charges. Horvat reportedly was charged for his actions while he was representing Tritenko when he took the stand, according to reports, literally right before he took the stand, Andrew Horvat went to the special prosecutor, Lavin Rosen, and said, Do not ask Nick Tritenko about his relationship with William Coleman, end quote. He said, there was nothing illegal or unethical, but it was just weird. That's not true. It was both illegal and it was unethical. Special Prosecutor Lawrence Oliver II told ABC7 earlier this week. Wow. It took all of this to finally get two prosecutors to face the criminal justice system. Now, this is a huge story because it's abnormal. A police officer will be prosecuted at times for misconduct, not to the tune that they typically commit misconduct. But a prosecutor is rarely ever before a judge in a criminal proceeding. But how many times have we cover stories of exoneration right here. And we clearly see how prosecutors engage in illegal activity, working hand in glove with the law enforcement who also engage in illegal activity. Law enforcement, well, they may get a penalty. 
suspended, sometimes charged. Prosecutors, not so much. It's a new day now. These prosecutors are facing actual criminal penalty. Ben, thoughts here? It's such a tough story, you know, hearing the treatment of Wilson, um, hearing that torture, just reading about it. I almost committed, I almost admitted to the murder because it was so hard mm, to read. No. I mean, imagine going through it. So obviously, you can't take anything said during duress like that seriously, let alone as evidence. And I can't imagine, I can't fathom being in jail for a month of my life for something I did not do, let alone three and a half decades of your life. It's just unconscionable and horrific. But I'm not surprised when I hear things like this because we all know how broken our systems are. Um, but I am surprised and pleased the few times when you do hear something like this, even decades later, justice can still come. People can still be held to account for their actions. And that's a little bit of good news, a little bit of hope, as you say, that that times are changing and people are being held more, more to account. And the times when it happens are times to really, really ap appreciate those moments, not just for the potential punishment coming to those prosecutors who were corrupt, but because if it becomes a culture of holding corrupt prosecutors to account, they're going to stop being as corrupt. They're going to stop prosecuting in unethical ways. And that's a benefit to all of society. That's right. To every single one of us, to all of us. All right. We got more on the other side. It's indisputable stick and stay. All right. Welcome back. We have a lot of show left. Let me read some of these amazing comments. I'm kind of pressed with times. So I can't read them all, but thank you. You to everyone who joins the show. All right. James Thompson, thank you for that, James. I want to count up my gift. I, I want to count up my gift in here, please, Doc. We appreciate you. Um, member for 15 months, see Michael Henson. I'd be so glad when we can rid ourselves of this two-tier justice system. It's bad enough being in jail when you're guilty, but worse when you're not. That's 100. Okay, um, hell of a thing. Uh, DEA agents searching people. So the agents are in plain clothes, right? And they all of a sudden just pop up on you as you're getting on your, on your plane. Well, an investigative journalist decided to do the same thing and investigate the investigators by dressing in plain clothes and putting the investigators under investigation. It's a hell of a story. Atlanta's news first. Did a remarkable job on this. Um, let me give you a reminder of the kind of thing that we're talking about. Here it is. Atlanta News first. All right, let's put up the picture full mass um, of their reporting out of Hartsfield Jackson International Airport. Um, you see the gentleman here. So the video was from an incident we previously covered 
where director Tabari Stardemont, who was traveling to LA from Atlanta, the Hartsfield-Jackson International Airport, he had his bags completely searched by DEA agents who provided no explanation as to why, okay? We also covered this when you have those two individuals, well known, okay? Eric Andre, fellow comedian, Clayton English. They filed a lawsuit actually after that with claims they were racially profiled by police where? At Hartsfield-Jackson International Airport, that's out of Atlanta. This was on separate occasions. 2021 to 2020, the lawsuit quotes records from Clayton County Police showing 56% of jet bridge stops involved black passengers and 68% were people of color. Atlanta News First investigates recently obtained the same data and is analyzing the cases further. So Clayton County narcotics officers are also searching in this Screenshot Emmy winning Hollywood actor, okay, um, Ellie on the bridge of an Atlanta to Los Angeles flight in 2020. And this part is important. He says, okay, I'm a random search, guys. So he says, panning to the line for the aircraft boarding door and adding, see all those white folks? And I'm the random search. So keep the picture up. They're getting on the plane, which means they have already gone through security. They've gone through TSA, a federal agency. They've gone through a machine that literally sees through your body and your belongings. Boarding the plane, all of a sudden, hey, I'm the random search person. Initially, the Emmy winning Hollywood actor assumed this was somebody from the airline, as many of us would assume. But he's the police, okay? So both Clayton County police records and federal court documents show drug agents working at Hartsfield, Jackson, Atlanta, and National Airport rarely find drugs on passengers at departing gates. They rarely do. They do find money, they don't find drugs. More often, they find money. Records show agents have seized millions of dollars from passengers at boarding gates. The money is administratively forfeited as the proceeds of drug trafficking, even when no drugs are found. Agents generally do not arrest the passenger, they arrest their money. So you will say, how in the hell is this even illegal? Is this legal? This should be completely illegal, right? Well, it should be. It's legal based on statute. It's legal based on in lieu of evidence. So they take the money, they say, we're gonna take this money in lieu of a future investigation. We'll be in touch. And they're never in touch. So now you have to go through the bureaucracy to get your money back. You have to come back to Atlanta typically. You have to go through a song and dance routine in order to get your money back. It is gruesome when you know the process. So a lot of people will say, the hell with that. You can keep that 1,000. You can keep that $500. It's not worth me buying a plane ticket or hiring an attorney to get the money back. And so now you have voluntarily allowed it to forfeit back to the government. They keep it, and they actually just did a legal but illegal fundraiser. See how it works? Okay, there's more. Atlanta News First investigates, found dozens of cases filed in federal court, styled USA versus some amount of currency. 
Passengers must file a claim within 45 days of receiving official notice. The government has seized their money or is automatically forfeited back to the government who seized the money in the first place. Most cases never go before a judge. This is all done by way of what's called administrative policy, okay? Technically, the burden of proof is on the government to show by a preponderance of the evidence, more likely than not, that the money is from drug trafficking. In practice, based on court records, passengers are forced to prove their money innocent on the spot at the airport gate or is seized as drug proceeds. After drug agents find money, passengers are forced to pull up bank statements on their phones or otherwise provide proof money is not from drug trafficking. That is not how this is supposed to work. So let's say this happens to you and you tell the federal agent, um, I'm not answering questions. I have the right to remain silent. Check the bag all you want. I'm getting on my plane. Oh, must be drug money. We're going to seize it. There's more. Merely flying from Atlanta to Los Angeles is suspicious, according to multiple probable cause statements, because, quote, it's a known drug trafficking route. Really? Atlanta to LA is also a popular route for film and the television industry. Several of the innocent passengers who talk with Atlanta News First investigates are in the entertainment business. There's a strong incentive for drug agents to search bags for money at the airport, even when drugs are not found. Their agencies get to keep the money through a memorandum of understanding with local police departments, such as Brookhaven's. The DEA gives police a cut of the proceeds from the money the task force officers seize. Oh, there's more. Brookhaven police have received more than $100,000 from the DEA since its department assigned a Brookhaven K-9 handler and his dog to the drug task force a little more than a year ago. The police department is 14 miles from the airport and in an entirely different county called DeKalb County. How does that work? Who the hell knows? There's more. Let's put them up. Sergeant David Fikes, who is featured on the Brookhaven Police Department's Facebook page, even though he is conducting plainclothes drug interdiction operations at the airport and elsewhere. So the sergeant has been involved in the seizure of 1163000 plus. That's according to records Atlanta News First investigates obtained through an open records request. His department's cut is about 9% of that money. But Brookhaven is responsible for his salary, police car, canine, and other expenses. Are you getting the picture here? Innocent people who were searched at the airport said they were unsure of their rights to decline a search by police at the gate. Airline passengers must submit to a security screening by TSA or else be denied entry into the airport secure area under federal regulations. Passengers can be denied boarding for declining a security screening. But passengers don't surrender their Fourth Amendment rights against warrantless searches by police just because they're at the airport. According to multiple analysts and court documents, the DEA officially calls its stop and searches at airport gates Cold consent 
encounters. Passengers are free to end the discussion and walk away according to the DEA, even if they are unaware of those rights. But let me tell you how they do it. They would say something like, hey, listen, either sign this consent or I'm gonna find a reason to get a warrant to search your bags. And that means you are going to miss this flight. And so you say, go ahead and search. Well, you signed the consent, Dan. You signed the consent. And they take your money and they say, board your flight. 45 days, you can get your money back. Just go through this process that we know good and damn well you won't. Wow, great reporting by the investigative journalist at Atlanta News First. Uh, ben, thoughts here? Seems like typical police operations to me. I don't see anything untoward. They <laughs> right. are conducting searches without proper consent. They are not finding drugs. They're seizing the money and they're taking a cut of it to fund their operations. It seems like the way things were meant to operate in a broken system. Because Atlanta to LA is a suspicious route, Andre and English are buddies of mine. We're all comedians. I've yep. done that route a million times because I'm going from the Laughing Skull Comedy Club or the Atlanta Improv when it was around back to LA. And I've never been searched. And I wonder why that is. Anybody take a look at me and got an idea why I have not been searched or had my money taken away? The fact that you can take money when not finding drugs is bonkers. And also, as a side note, if I ever were searched, they wouldn't find drugs on me because, like any good citizen, I get rid of my weed before I board the plane. <laughs> right. There you go, that part. Okay, uh, we're going to bring you updates uh, as they come. Obviously, this is a developing story. UK cop. So the police, they decide to do this to a child. Here it is. Put up the picture full mask. A disturbing viral video captured a British police officer putting a black child, 14 years of age, in a headlock. You see that first screenshot? That is a full headlock to a child. This was during a scuffle before deciding to throw the team down and then aiming at the team and shooting the team with his taser while the team was down. Officials say the team was arrested for assaulting an officer and other minor charges, including resisting arrest. This was once again in the UK. The incident, according to West Midland Police, was a response to their response to their coming to secure a civil matter between neighbors. On Monday, October 16th, a little after 5.15 PM, footage shows the WMP officer wrestling the child down to the ground in front of his parents' home in the Bromford district of Birmingham, England. Bystanders are crying out saying, quote, get off him, get off him, as a confrontation results in him being placed in a headlock. The 14-year-old child breaks away and starts to run that is when the officer, he was struggling with, aims his taser, shoots the kid down with approximately 50,000 volts of pure electricity. In the video, a woman thought to be the child's mother can be heard shouting, he's 14, what the F have you done to my son, end quote. As the officer tells the child not to move, people can be heard pleading, watch his asthma. Look, he can't breathe, he's a child. The officer can be heard telling people, stay back before adding, I don't care, I don't care. 
The WMP statement said officers attempted to defuse the situation, but threats of criminal damage were made. One of the officers tried to arrest the suspect, but he resisted. And the officer was further attacked by another man. During the scuffle, the 14-year-old child was tasered. The statement said, according to the Daily Mail, police confirmed they arrested the child along with a 37-year-old man on suspicion of assaulting a police officer and the pair remain in custody. The teenager was also arrested for criminal damage and threats to cause criminal damage. Thousands have viewed the video on social media leading Black Lives Matter UK to write, quote, disturbing footage reveals a 14-year-old black child being choked and tasered by West Midlands police, highlighting the urgent need to end police brutality and excessive use of force. Others who shared the video commented that the officer seemed to escalate the situation rather than get it under control, saying that the process they utilize cannot be an acceptable practice. A spokesperson from the West Midlands Police stated that the department is currently reviewing officers' body camera footage and will refer the matter to the Independent Office for Police Conduct, which commented on the occurrence. A spokesperson for the IOPC said, and I quote, we are aware of this incident. And we understand that a referral is to be made to us by West Midlands police in relation to it. When we receive that, we will carry out a thorough assessment to determine what further action is required from us. Hell of a thing. Um, once again, normative policing, but this is in the UK. Thought. I mean, it is typical. It is not surprising. Um, I don't know what the young man expected though you can't be allowed as a young black man to be in front of your mom's house i put that on him mm. you know you should probably just facetime i mean where are you safe where are you allowed to go i guess my only thought in this matter is thank god british police don't have guns yeah so exactly 50,000 volts of electricity can kill a person uh but he is alive and probably not doing great but he's alive all right um, remember we covered a judge that decided to pull out a gun on a black male? Well, finally, that judge um, has been uh, removed. Put up the picture full mass. It, this is insane. In an update, a New York judge, Robert J. Patorti, has finally been removed from the bench after he admitted he pulled a gun on a black man who he repeatedly described as a large black man when he said he said he was six foot nine inches tall. That's damn near seven feet tall and built like a football player. But the, uh, the person in question is uh, barely six feet tall and he weighs 165 pounds. Okay, all right. The judge admitted he did not even feel his life was in danger. When he pulled the weapon on Mr. Wood, he also regularly kept a gun under the desk at his judge's bench. So records show that while the judge served as a judge, he also is the owner of Big Boy's Guns in Whitehall. So this judge argued that not only did he have a license to carry the pistol, but he had made it a habit of safekeeping it attached to the underside of the bench while he heard cases. That's according to the Times. 
And that in the moment he pulled the gun, the unnamed litigant had lunged toward the bench too quickly. However, the Times detailed how the judge ultimately backed off that account, acknowledging at the time that nobody in the court, including the uniformed officer, nor an assistant district attorney, would be able to support his version of events. Okay. Uh, the judge, who is not an attorney, by the way, began his term in 2014 in Washington County, New York, which is about 50 miles north of Albany, New York, and is 94% white, with just 3% of the county being black. Now, many of you may say, well, how in the hell can a person become a judge without being an attorney or having a law degree, et cetera? Well, there are many counties in the United States, including the state of Georgia, where I am at. If your county threshold of population or your local jurisdiction threshold population is below a certain amount, well, they will allow for certain positions like probate judge to not have a law degree to become a judge. All right, there you have it. So uh, the commission's administrative council wrote in the decision that the judge had, quote, exploited a classic and common racist trope. That black men are inherently threatening or dangerous, and that his actions at the time and afterward demonstrate bias. Clearly, his constant repetition of the racial element and his exaggeration of the physical characteristics of this particular defendant were shocking and totally undignified and inappropriate for a judge to make. That's according to the Times. All right, there you go. Um, here's true justice you arrest the judge for menacing a weapon, okay? You arrest the judge for violent intimidation, menacing a weapon. That did not happen. Not even a charge. Took you long enough to get him off the bench. Uh, but you may want to revisit that policy, uh, gentlemen, that you all have there that allowed this person to become a judge. Obviously, how can someone judge fairly if they are literally lying in front of their entire judicial staff? All right, Ben, thoughts here. This is what happens, Doc, when instead of having a lawyer as your judge, you have the proprietor of big boys guns. Right. <laughs> I mean, that you could have seen this coming. Really cool. Uh, calling a man who is six feet tall, 165, a big black man. I mean, I'm a bigger black man than, this, than that man was. I'm six foot one and was recently 223. I'm down to 193 now, and that's Good. me skinny. 165. Yeah. I mean, if he was intimidated by the man, he could have just blown towards him and he would have knocked right. him back. Uh, pulling a gun is appropriate in no respect in this case. A gun, a judge shouldn't have a gun in the courthouse in the first place. And uh, it's good that justice at least came in removing him from the bench. It only took basically a decade. <laughs> right. Yeah, finally caught up with him. All right. Always a pleasure, dear brother, having you on the program. Tell people how they can follow you. Check out your great work. Thank you, Doc. Uh, on October 28th, I'm doing my fourth annual Glebe Off the Top Halloween Spectacular, my Halloween special. Join me live and virtual at nowhere, nowherecomedy.com. Excuse me, choking on my excitement there. <laughs> and follow me at Ben Glebe on Twitter. And mostly on Instagram, where I post far too much and I get too much joy out of it. And also a lot of pain, a lot of pain. But much more joy, right? Absolutely. There absolutely. you go. Long it's that man. masochistic pain that I can't get enough of. <laughs> That's right. 
Always a pleasure, man. Until next time. Okay. The bullpen is next. Stick and stay. I do have an update, an update to a story where somebody did something really extreme and a judge has decided to increase the bond significantly. Here it is. Biker who attacked. A vehicle, Cody Haran. All right, let's put the picture up full mass. This is an interesting update, okay? Cody Haran damages Nikki Bullock's vehicle and then decides to wave a gun during a confrontation. A judge, instead of decreasing the bond of the 26 year old Cody, has decided to increase the bond. Of Cody. The Philly biker was caught on camera damaging a black woman's car earlier this month per NBC affiliate. Heron's, uh, his bond was at uh, was raised to $4 million on Monday. So Cody is currently charged with recklessly endangering another person and simple assault per the outlet and is set to attend his arraignment on the 30th of this month. Let's put her up. The 26 year old was identified as the attacker who smashed out the back of Nikki Bullock's vehicle near City Hall. This was after 9.30 PM on October 1st. After eyewitness video and tips aided authorities, Bullock's girlfriend and her children were inside the car while she was completing an Uber Eats order. Let's put it up. So you got the recorded video captured Cody on top of the car before smashing the rear window and then hopping off. This is basically terrorizing multiple people inside of that vehicle. When Bullock confronted him, he decided to wave his gun, head butted Bullock with his helmet on, shoved her. When getting back on his bike, Bullock pushed him off and he fled soon after. Bullock previously said that the confrontation stemmed from an argument after the bikers were not paying attention to lanes and swiped, hit her car. She also said she wasn't afraid of his little gun. I'm just grateful that my kids are okay. There's not a scratch on them, she said per NBC Philadelphia. It was just the simple fact that I had kids in the car. I just wanted to protect them honestly. She reported the incident to the police the next day, um, which led to the Incarceration, obviously, of an individual who's dangerous. Now, why did the judge increase the bond? Because of the extenuating circumstances. You have aggression, you have children, you have menacing, you have violence, you have willful, continuous misconduct. Okay. And it's close to a government building. So I think these aggravating factors played into the increase of bond, something you don't see often probably should see more of. Jada Pinkett Smith, Will Smith, his children rumored to feel sorry for their father. I think we can all understand this, but let's launch into the latest details, shall we? 
According to page six, Willow Smith and Jaden Smith want privacy for their parents. A little hard to walk it back. The siblings reportedly feel bad for their dad. Will Smith, as Jada Pinkett Smith continues to make bombshell revelations about their marriage as she is promoting her worthy memoir. Really unbelievable the details that are just kind of spilling out, or I'll say she's regurgitating them. Uh, Here we go. They know he has been going through a lot lately, and this isn't helping, a source told Entertainment Tonight Monday of all the recent headlines about the couple's secret separation. They wish some of their family's private matters remained private, insider claimed, alleging that Will 55 has been trying to stay busy by hanging out with good friends and his kids. Page six with the reporting here, the source added, he's trying not to let any outside noise impact him. Will loves Jada and feels like he has always had her back and always will. He has been trying to be supportive while also taking care of himself. Willow and Jaden's rep has yet to respond to page six's request for comment. And didn't they just say they wanted privacy for their parents? You know, but hey, page six with the reporting there. Despite fears of the family breaking apart, Jada, while speaking to Hoda about her memoir worthy, claimed that despite separation, the parents are working on their relationship. Both at the same time, I mean, you're on a tour talking about your husband and everything, all the dirty deeds, talking about another man, a dead, well, iconic rapper working on the relationship. The Today Show, there you see her. Let's go to the video, uh, see for yourself. If you find another great love, or if Will finds <clears throat> another great love. There's no finding another great love, and I think that's the point. It's but- like, we are in a place now that we are in a deep healing space. And we are really concentrating on healing the relationship between us. So it may not be the divorce on paper anymore? There's no divorce on paper. I mean, not on paper. There might not be a divorce in theory anymore. Yeah, no, we really have been working hard. Oh, see? Okay. Well, a, I didn't know that. I, we hold might on, I was trying to take it. Well, I, wait, wait, wait. I totally missed that on the whole thing. That's wait, the whole so thing. So wait, so wait, just so I'm 100% clear. You were divorced, not on right. paper, but now we might be a point where we're back together. We are working very hard at bringing our relationship, yes, bringing our relationship together. Back, back to a marriage again. Back to a life partnership. Yes, because okay. here's the thing about Tell me. husband, wife, marriage for me, yeah, for yeah, my healing yeah. process. I came into that with very specific ideas, right? Very specific ideas that were blocks to me just seeing Will as who he is. He can't be this perfect idealized husband. I have to be able to accept him for the human that he is. He accepts me for the human that I am. And we want to love each other there. Okay, so you might like live in the same house and have this. Yeah. Okay, so Will Smith didn't have a song called Dear Mama, okay? But remember when Coke changed the formula and it was new Coke, classic Coke, brilliant Coke, whatever Coke? They walked it back because they said, you know what? We have to send a clear signal here. Divorce, no divorce. I don't know what she's saying there. Uh, Despite praise by some, well, you've heard it. You've been talking to people, I'm sure. Many people are tired of this entire drama. 
Can y'all please take us out the group chat? All your business, we don't need to know that. I don't care if it's a lie or if it's all facts. Can y'all please just take us out the group chat? Somebody tell Jada Pickett Smith to leave us alone. Why? Why you keep giving us stuff we don't ask for? She's doing a book tour right now. I guess the book is called How to Publicly Embarrass Your And it's probably a great read. It's probably going to be a New York Times bestseller because if she don't know how to do nothing else, she knows how to publicly embarrass this man. You know, at a certain point, you have to say enough is enough. Ma'am, stop talking. Leave us out of it. Everything I know about this people's relationship, I have learned against my will. I'm so tired of knowing these people's business. Yeah. <laughs> you ever just, well, I'm hungry, so I'll use a food reference, snacks, and you're eating the perfect tuna melt, and there's this nagging fruit fly that, you know, you can't get rid of them. <laughs> and it just keeps buzzing around your tuna melt, and it makes it so unappetizing. You're not even hungry anymore. We're not even hungry for one more nibble of this train wreck of a story. What's your take? Well, you know, when it comes to Tupac, it's Tupac died when I was four years old. I'm 31. You know what I'm saying? He's been gone for a long time. The man's not around to speak for y'all's relationship. And at the time, what was Tupac was like 24 when he passed or something like that? 24, 25. Y'all were literally little kids when y'all were seeing each other. It, it, so like it, it nothing everything you're saying like he's not even around to defend it but you know furthermore y'all ain't gotta be together your kids is grown you don't got little babies you can break up but what's most important is you know like jada you jada could get attention for like anything she wanted she could start a foundation she could start another movie you know what i'm saying well i think she produced uh cleopatra or helped produce it on netflix and they like made her black even though cleopatra was white but like you could do other stuff like that. You're beautiful. You could start a clothing line, but no, no, no. We got to do this, and and, yeah. and it's it's kind of pathetic, you know. Like I don't really know what else you want people to say. Um, but uh, yeah, y'all could just go away, but apparently that's not what they're gonna. Yeah. Why do you have to pen this memoir? If you need someone to talk to, you don't have to pull out that broken red table. You could just start a group text, okay, with. <laughs> Your girlfriend, you could pour yourself some wine. I don't think she likes it sweet like a lot of us do. Maybe, maybe Pinot, right? And you could vent, talk. You go to counseling. I find it. I find it. Um, I don't want to use the abuse word, but for the reporting to be such that Will Smith has been supportive of her and he's trying to care for her while sidebar footnote care for himself. Is very telling about this relationship. And it is interesting because when you talk about Tupac, who's no longer with us, she obviously knew him. They, they had a relationship. We, we don't know, right? Only one of them is here to discuss it. I don't want to make the shady room. Shade room, is it, Jackson? Yes. But I, <laughs> I spent a lot of time with Tupac, okay? I spent a lot of time with him sat across from him at this critical period in his life as he was incarcerated. Otherwise, he would have run away from me. But he needs someone to talk to, I guess, when I showed up. And he said a lot of things. And he wrote me some things. And he mentioned her, okay? And again, she knows him far better than I did. But the things that he revealed to me about 
this woman lusting after him. And there was another Hollywood star he mentioned consistently. It, it did not seem like this mutual surpassing eternity connection. That's a snapshot in time, and I'm just one nosy reporter, okay? I'm just telling you my memoir. Um, what do you make of her, some would say, exploiting this, this rapper's, well, his legend? Uh, I, I think it shows that she has really low self-esteem in a lot of ways, not just for that, but for everything. Because she also says similar things about Will, about how they're you know, endlessly together. They can't break up. There's no finding anything better. So, I mean, it's just kind of hollow, you know, and, and, and when you look at her in the interviews and she's talking all slow because she's trying to walk people through it, you know, like, but at the end of the day, it's like, you know, like my parents, for instance, like they've been married for over 40 years. So it's not, and I'm just saying that to say, like, there's quite a bit of people who have had longer relationships, longer marriages than they've been together that have had better marriages than they've been together. And there's other people in Hollywood who have much healthier relationships. And again, typically, I mean, well, first and foremost, the only reason we talk about this at all is because they can't stay out the media. But um, I think that they would both do better to just 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 get a divorce. It's really not that big of a deal. Y'all going to be all right. Y'all been together. You saw it through. You got kids. Move on with your life and leave us alone. Yeah, it does seem rooted in this coercive uh, control, if you will. She's the gatekeeper. And again, what do we know, Jackson? We're just on the outside looking in, but you are peeling the curtains open. You're back. You got us by the neck and saying, you better watch this, okay? But she does seem like the gatekeeper. You know, the reporting that he's perhaps not as close with his family back in Philly, okay? That people are fringe players unless they go through her. And that's historically been this relationship. But parts of it remind me, this Tupac part, let's go back to that. Ever watch the show Love? After lockup, where a partner will say, I've you know, been dating someone for seven years. We've never met. He's on the inside. And I put money on the books and I sacrifice and I do everything for him. And they are serial sometimes, these people, daters of incarcerated men or women. And I suspect with my bubblegum PhD that it's because they can't run away from them. You can't run away from them. That's my man. I know where he is. I know exactly where he is every minute. And I'm also someone who's incarcerated and I stay by the phone. You know, that recording comes on. And I'm not saying I know this personally, but the <laughs> recording comes on, Jackson, that says you're getting a call from an inmate, da 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 da, on and on. Is that worth the quarter that I used to get that bubblegum degree? Do I make a point or no? Uh, well, your point in that one in terms of the man not being able to run away, um, but also to, you know, having a sense of power and importance and purpose in that situation. And I think this goes to, you know, sometimes you got to be willing to leave people. Um, it's worth sticking by people's side if they're not abusive, if they're not going, you know, like doing things like lying and you know stealing from you and stuff. Sometimes it's going to be rough, but if someone's just disrespecting you, then you got to walk away. Whether it's a romantic relationship, a friendship, a business uh, situation, whatever it is, uh, you got to be able to walk away from people. Otherwise, they're going to treat you the way that you're letting them. So, uh, you know, Will could do whatever he wanted, but I guess, you know, bad marriage for life, as they say. Them two literally said that together, yeah. and, and then they bumped this. 
<laughs> well, they did. And yes, you need to walk away from. I would suggest she, you know, he trains with Usain Bolt here. Okay, he's got to get away from her at rocket speed to get back to some sense of himself. Um, I I do know there's been, and correct me if I'm wrong, team sightings, a sighting of Will Smith, but he's not the one who seems to be spewing this stuff all over the place. It's interesting to me, but not surprising that young people, their children, if we're to believe page six, are the ones who are pumping the brakes here, being thoughtful and saying, yeah, we're we're concerned here. They didn't use the words, but I will, mental health. Our dad's mental health could be at stake here. We're concerned. What say you when she's still going on tour? Like you said, they don't need the money, okay? And doing this little, I don't know what they were talking about. I still, do you understand the clip with Hoda? And Jada, what on earth was she saying to her? And I felt like Hoda was pretending that she understood it. I mean, if it's what she said, if they haven't been together since 2016, then that means that they that they don't sleep together either. That matters in terms of bondage. And I'm not trying to get all yep. into that. All I'm saying yeah. is just 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 separate. Like, Will, go and do your thing, man. I mean, just do your thing. If she wants to be on a tour and doing all the memoir stuff, let her do that, but let her do that as your ex-wife and just go on about your life. Uh, it, it, you know, I don't know if he'll ever really be able to truly move past uh, him going on stage and doing what he did to Chris Rock. Not fully in terms of like his career kind of maybe will plateau, but he's all right. You know what I'm saying? Like, just go on, just go on, live your life, divorce the woman and go find you another woman. In time, let yourself get over it. You know, take your time. Yeah. But move on. I tend to think that mostly. Um, Women get dumped on, right? But I think in this case, the only way to move past it, I think he can have it all back. I think he can be best friends with Chris Rock if he does one interview, not at a red table, not with her interviewing him. Hell, where's Wendy Williams? Can she come out of retirement <laughs> for, for 24 hours with full producer support, a glam team? And let's get to the heart of the matter. That, I think, would give him a groundswell of support. It's not an excuse for physically assaulting a man who, please, he wants you to leave his name out of your mouth, okay? Chris Rock is done, okay? <laughs> He's it. You better stop, okay? I don't know what went down there. If he asked her out or not, and I really don't care. Like maybe he sensed that she might take him up on the, listen, and free to do what you want, okay? But doesn't seem like certain people were off limits. So maybe he felt like this is what we do. This has been indisputable. Remember, take care of yourself, take care of each other, take care of the planet. Remember, the truth is always indisputable.